Chapter Four of Peggy Raymond's Vacation, or Friendly Terrace Transplanted, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, A Study in Natural History. From the very start, the big brick fireplace in the living room had held an irresistible fascination for the Terrace girls, accustomed as they were to the unromantic register and when five days of their outing had passed and no fire had been kindled on the blackened hearth priscilla thought they were missing golden opportunities and said so the last of june isn't the best time in the year for open fires suggested peggy but i do think that to-night seems a little cooler perhaps we might have a fire and not swelter we could roast apples couldn't we amy cried and chestnuts only there aren't any chestnuts and just a very few wormy apples added ruth but we can tell stories and sit around in a circle and not have any light in the room except the light of the fire the prospect was so alluring that supper was dispatched in haste and one or two of the girls went so far as to suggest letting the dishes wait over till the next day but as peggy expressed horror at this unhousewifely proceeding and amy called attention to the fact that leftover dishes are doubly hard to wash the motion failed to carry five pairs of busy hands made short work of the necessary task and when the dishes were out of the way and peggy was conducting dorothy upstairs to bed the others made a rush to the woodshed and filled their gingham aprons with pine knots and shavings dorothy suspecting delights from which she was to be excluded was inclined to make slow work of undressing and relieved the tedium of the process by frantic demonstrations of affection wish you could go to bed with me aunt peggy cause i love you so awfully oh this isn't bedtime for big girls they won't be sleepy for a long while yet i won't be sleepy for a long while either won't you sit beside my bed aunt peggy cause i'm afraid if a bear should come oh dorothy don't think so much about bears think about the little angels that watch good children when they are asleep dorothy fell into a fit of musing i wish those little angels would play with me when i was awake instead of watching me when i was asleep say aunt peggy which would you rather have wings or roller skates peggy steered the conversation away from this delicate question to dorothy's prayers which dorothy galloped through with cheerful irreverence on the amen her eyes flashed open now aunt peggy you've got to tack down my eyelids same as my mamma does why of course peggy patiently kissed the long-lashed lids shut stimulated by dorothy's cheerful impersonal comments on her performance and even drove a few extra tacks in quite unnecessary spots as for example the corners of dorothy's roguish mouth and the dimple showing in the curve of her pink cheek and by that time even dorothy could think of no further excuses for detaining her downstairs the preliminary steps to the realization of the romance of a real wood fire on a real hearth had proved prosaic enough in the beginning the fire had frankly sulked and instead of blazing up brightly had emitted clouds of smoke out of all proportion to its size everyone was coughing as peggy came into the room and handkerchiefs were busy wiping tears from brimming eyes so that outwardly the scene was anything but joyous but the draught from the open windows finally stimulated the lazy chimney to greater exertions and just as peggy crossed the threshold a brave little flame leaped up from the smoking smouldering mass and a cheery crackle made music plainly audible above the chorus of coughing lovely cried peggy and warmed her hands at the blaze as if it had been midwinter 
as long as i didn't have any of the trouble of making the fire i'll brush up the shavings and things i'm not sure but you've got the worst end of it remarked priscilla casting a dismayed glance about her how in the world did shavings get scattered over this room from one end to the other as no one had anything to offer in explanation peggy went to find the dustpan and was absent for some minutes by this time the fire was blazing merrily and throwing off an amount of heat quite unnecessary for a mild june evening even while the girls were exchanging congratulations on their success it was to be noticed that they did not form a compact circle about the fireplace but sat in the most remote corners of the room and fanned themselves with newspapers it's the strangest thing announced peggy returning i can't find the dustpan high or low amy jumped didn't she bring it back who not mrs snooks yes she came when you'd gone to pay mrs cole and she said she'd send her little girl back with it in half an hour or so it's certainly strange said peggy giving evidences of exasperation that when we've only one of a thing that's exactly what mrs snooks wants to borrow of course it's nice for neighbors to help one another out especially in a place like this where you are so far from a store if it was baking powder i wouldn't say a word but a dustpan it was baking powder yesterday suggested amy sweep the shavings into a corner peg and let's start on the stories now aunt abigail here's your chance to shine oh yes aunt abigail echoed peggy for it had early been decided that amy should not be allowed a monopoly in the use of that affectionate title we've heard you were the best ever since the woman in the arabian nights what was her name scheherazade and we want to know if amy was exaggerating aunt abigail smiled complacently what sort of story do you want she asked something pathetic or a story of adventure or a humorous story or a ghost story or an approving shout interrupted her oh a ghost story aunt abigail priscilla clapped her hands isn't this simply perfect the firelight on the wall and shadows flickering and then a ghost story to crown everything do make it a creepy one aunt abigail aunt abigail hardly needed urging along that line she had been an omnivorous reader all her days and from books as well as from what she had picked up on her travels she had acquired an unsurpassed collection of weird incidents which she now began to recount with dramatic effect the girls sat spellbound and when at the conclusion of the first story a faint little wail sounded from the distance the general start was indicative of tense nerves but it was only dorothy awake and standing at the head of the stairs aunt peggy go back to bed darling but aunt peggy what do you suppose those little angels have done now they've bited me right on my forehead oh my peggy ran up the stairs to a justly aggrieved dorothy indicating an inflamed lump on her forehead as a proof of misplaced confidence peggy lit the candle and after some search discovered a swollen mosquito perched on the head of dorothy's bed ready to resume operations at the first opportunity gluttony had lessened his natural agility and at peggy's avenging hand he paid the penalty of his crime peggy lingered to correct dorothy's misapprehension and then went downstairs to find another blood-curdling tale in progress and the girls sitting breathless while the firelight threw fantastic shapes upon the wall and the shadows looked startlingly black by contrast ten o'clock was the sensible bedtime decided on in doolittle cottage but on this occasion the big clock chimed ten unheeded 
apparently aunt abigail's repertoire was far from being exhausted she had rung the changes on all the familiar horrors in a dozen stories and yet no one seemed willing to have her stop it was quarter of eleven when peggy remarked reluctantly girls if we're going to get up any time to-morrow we'd better be going to bed the suggestion was not received with enthusiasm priscilla declared that she wasn't a bit sleepy and the others all echoed the statement then aunt abigail was appealed to for just one more and complied without any pretense of reluctance aunt abigail was enjoying herself hugely and it was characteristic of her amiable irresponsibility that it never occurred to her that there might be undesirable consequences from thus stimulating the vivid imaginations of a party of sensitive girls it was very near midnight when at last they filed upstairs to bed the fire was out after having played its part so efficiently as to render it necessary to open to its widest extent every door and window in the cottage it was a rather silent crowd that climbed the stairs the girls went to their respective rooms without any of the laughter and gay chatter which usually characterized the hour of retiring peggy said to herself that they were all too tired to talk but amy knew better while peggy shared dorothy's quarters and priscilla and claire occupied the room next to aunt abigail's amy and ruth were tucked into a snug little box of a bedroom on the opposite side of the hall as amy hastily lighted the candle on the little table at the side of the bed she turned a perturbed face on her roommate oh why did i let her do it she exclaimed tragically why did i ever listen i know i'm not going to sleep a wink to-night why amy what nonsense ruth remonstrated but she was aware that her heartbeats had quickened it was one thing to listen to aunt abigail's harrowing recitals in a room made cheerful by firelight and companionship and another to recall the same horrors in comparative solitude you're not foolish enough to believe in things of that sort ruth remarked with a brave effort to maintain her air of superiority no i'm not foolish enough to believe in them amy acknowledged but i'm foolish enough so they scare me dreadfully oh dear won't i be glad when it is to-morrow she repeated the wish a little later when both girls were in bed and ruth answered her a trifle tartly that it was very nearly to-morrow and that she wanted to go to sleep some time before morning if amy didn't then for a matter of thirty minutes silence reigned the hour was late and the girls were tired in spite of her gloomy prophecy amy was surprised and pleased to find a delicious drowsiness creeping over her all at once she sat up in bed ruth she exclaimed in a frightened whisper what was that what was what that rustling noise oh amy ruth's whispered exclamation conveyed an extraordinary amount of exasperation for three syllables and then as amy remained upright staring intently into the darkness ruth was conscious of a curious pricking of the scalp for she herself distinctly heard the sound to which amy referred and truth to tell it was not unlike the rustling of the unseen garments which had figured so frequently in the stories to which they had lately been listening i can hear it as plain as anything amy said do you suppose it is the maple tree back of the window of course it's the maple tree ruth replied in a husky whisper how she envied amy amy frankly acknowledged being a coward and poor ruth wished that she herself did not have a reputation for courage to sustain for certainly that sound was not the whisper of the wind in the boughs of the maple it was in the room 
apparently at the foot of the bed a long silence followed ruth's bravely mendacious assurance amy lay down at length and drew the coverlet over her head the thumping of ruth's heart gradually steadied into an ordinary beat just as she was telling herself that amy's foolish fancies had made her nervous and she had imagined the peculiar sound her heart jumped again amy's shivering body suddenly huddled against hers gave convincing testimony to the fact that ruth's ears were not the only ones to catch something unusual what do you suppose it is choked amy this time ruth made no attempt to hold the maple tree responsible i don't know she whispered the sound that vibrated through the room was such as might be produced if a fingernail were drawn across the window screen the thought entered ruth's mind that perhaps someone was trying to enter the room by the window and supernatural horrors paled beside this possibility but this demonstration also was succeeded by a puzzling silence gradually the tense muscles of the two frightened girls relaxed and they ventured to exchange perplexed comments on the mysterious interruptions to the peace of the night it certainly was the screen declared amy do you suppose that the wind blowing through it could make a noise like that ruth did not think it likely but forbore to say so and after half an hour of quiet weariness again asserted itself and she began to feel agreeably drowsy then amy caught her arm and with the startled pinch ruth's hopes of sleep were indefinitely postponed there it is again said amy her teeth fairly chattering there's that rustling Shh! ruth whispered back and her hand found amy's in the dark this time the rustling continued it was a curiously elusive sound as difficult to locate as to understand at one minute it seemed at the foot of the bed and again off in the corner of the room and once ruth was almost sure that it was over her head and that was the time when it seemed to her that her heart must stop beating ruth amy snatched away her hand in her consternation ruth i'm going to sneeze you mustn't protested ruth panic-stricken what appalling consequences were to be apprehended from so rash an act she herself could not have told but she was certain that if amy sneezed her own self-control would give way and she would scream smother it she commanded fiercely amy grasped the sheet in her heroic effort to obey but she was too late she sneezed and to poor ruth's unstrung nerves the sound was only to be compared in volume to a peal of thunder the mysterious rustling ceased and just outside the door a board creaked girls the tentative whisper stole softly through the half-open door girls are you awake oh peggy there was untold relief in that brief welcome peggy's presence brought a sense of reinforcement even against supernatural terrors noiselessly peggy crept into the room and perched on the edge of the bed considering the lateness of the hour her air was peculiarly alert i knew by amy's sneeze that she was awake too and i thought i'd come in i never had such a wakeful night in my life have you been hearing things too demanded amy with an immediate accession of respect for her own fears if peggy shared them peggy hesitated well it hasn't seemed as quiet as most of the nights she replied evasively rustling in all the corners and the screen twanging that's what we've had exclaimed ruth in an excited whisper peggy's silence indicated that such phenomena did not surprise her 
i suppose she remarked at length in her most judicial manner that we all got nervous over those uncanny stories and so we're ready to imagine oh something had swooped by her almost brushing her cheek and stirring her hair with the breeze made by its passing peggy's muffled shriek had two echoes what is it demanded amy a hysterical catch in her voice oh peggy what has happened and peggy's only reply was a stern demand for the matches the little candle flaring up at last showed nothing unusual unless three girls wide awake at half-past two in the morning could be included under that head peggy stared incredulously about the empty room and then faced her friends girls i don't know what ails us all said peggy honestly but i'm pretty sure none of us will go to sleep till daylight so if you've no objection i'm going to sit here and talk till the sun's up nobody had any objection in fact with the little candle flickering on the table and peggy sitting at the foot of the bed discussing commonplace things amy and ruth felt an immediate accession of courage luckily their time of waiting was not long daybreak comes early on a summer morning and by the time the candle was burned to the socket the pale daylight had stolen into the room and all three watchers were certain that they could go to sleep it seemed to peggy that she had barely dozed off before dorothy awoke her dorothy was standing by the window with one stocking on when dorothy's toilet had progressed to the point of putting on one stocking she generally thought of something else more interesting oh dorothy dear implored poor peggy turning on her pillow it can't be time to get up yet dorothy crossed the room and stood beside the bed aunt peggy she inquired gravely did you ever see a mousie with an umbrella a mouse with an umbrella repeated peggy stupidly wondering if she were too sleepy to understand or if dorothy were only talking nonsense of course not well i did there's one hanging to our screen peggy arose with alacrity suspended head downward from the screen was indeed a mouse-like shape with the folded wings of a gnome which dorothy had not unnaturally mistaken for an umbrella apparently the little creature had passed an active night and was now enjoying his well-earned repose peggy took one look and crossed the hall with a bound amy and ruth were sound asleep but peggy was too excited to be merciful girls girls come quick and see our ghost before it wakes up the startling summons brought the sleepers to their feet in a twinkling and when peggy introduced the explanation of the night's mystery there was a good deal of shamefaced laughter tacitly the girls agreed that the joke would be more enjoyable if its circulation were strictly limited and even when at the breakfast-table aunt abigail remarked that she never saw such air for producing sound sleep three heavy-eyed girls exchanged glances and kept their own counsel but a little later dorothy was anxious for enlightenment on a point in natural history aunt peggy what makes you call a mousie a goose why i didn't dear a mouse and a goose aren't the least bit alike but i heard you say it aunt peggy when i showed you the mousie you ran and said here's our goose as good luck would have it ruth and amy were the only ones to overhear the remark and peggy was not called upon to satisfy more than dorothy's curiosity that funny little thing that looks like a mouse dorothy except for its horrid black wings is called a bat and the goose was only aunt peggy and ruth another remarked the owner of that name and i was number three three gooses instead of three graces was amy's addition 
after which the three laughed in the fashion which dorothy found so mystifying and consequently objectionable that was not the last of the story-telling evenings by any means aunt abigail had abundant opportunity to display her repertoire she told pathetic stories which brought the tears to the girls eyes and funny stories which made them laugh until they cried and the most thrilling tales of adventure but she was never called upon to duplicate her early success in the opinion of her entire audience apparently one night of ghost stories was enough for the entire summer End of chapter four